let's turn in our Bibles. Thank you. To our second scripture reading, which will be our sermon text for this morning, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, as we continue our series in the Gospel of Luke. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them a parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. You may be seated. And now let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless the preaching of your word, that we would have hearts that would be changed because of what we hear, and that, Lord, you would, you would be gathering sheep unto yourself as you do so very well. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. I realized something surprising this week and it's that our church does not have a lost and found box. Um, and you know what I'm talking about. Kids, maybe you in particular, you know, have noticed what a lost and found box is. It's, it's that special box where all the stuff that gets lost and left behind in the room and that goes swirling around our worship space will eventually end up so that the person who is looking for it, the person to whom it originally belongs, can go and find it. Lost and found. And so I, I thought it was only fitting that we actually have a lost and found box. And so here's, here's, here's what we, we have. And um, we've already got some items in here. A, um, a candle holder, a, a sharp, uh, yeah, Sharpie, a white glove, and ultra clear plug protectors. Um, and so you see the sorts of things that end up in lost and found boxes now you know we have one, okay? It's, it'll be somewhere around the, the worship space. Now, now, remember that. What is it that, that holds all these different items in this box together? They're all lost, and they're all waiting to be found. And holding that picture in your mind, come with me over to Luke chapter 15. Because what we find in Luke chapter 15 is the lost and found box of the Bible. 
Did you know that the Bible has a lost and found box hidden right, right within it, right in the heart of the Bible? That's what Luke chapter 15 is. It's a place where lost things go to be found. And as we open up this box, you could say, and peer into this chapter, what do we see? We see some unusual items in this box in the Bible. What's there? Did you notice some lost things we saw in what we've read already? One lost sheep, one lost coin, and next week we'll go even further and we'll hear about a lost son. These are unusual items swirling around this lost and found chapter of the Bible. And what I want you to see as we start to look at each of these items is that this this chapter of the Bible, this chapter of Luke, it really takes us to the heart of Luke's gospel. I mean, if you think about it, it's even kind of right in the middle of the gospel itself. You've got the bookends of the gospel where Jesus begins his ministry, and then you, you could say his, his ministry comes to this, uh, this climax on the cross. But right in the middle, we're, what are we doing? This long journey to Jerusalem, where step by step, Jesus is going to the cross. And right in the middle of that journey, we have this chapter, a famous chapter, which takes us to the heart of Jesus's mission and actually tells us what it is that draws him to the cross. It has everything to do with the lost and it has everything to do with the lost being found. What we find, finally, as we lean into this lost and found chapter of the Bible, we not only come to the heart of Luke's gospel, We come to see the heart of God, the very character of God, what he's like. So I've given you a lot to think about already, but let's start to tackle this. And we're going to do this um, in in three steps. First, we're going to look at one complaint. Then we're going to look at two parables. And finally, we're going to close with three three takeaways for us. One complaint, two two parables, three takeaways to guide you on your way through this lost and found chapter. So first, a complaint. Complaint it comes from the Pharisees. That's not surprising at all. We've, I mean, this has been week after week after week where the Pharisees just, you know, are not getting it. Well, what's happening? Let's get in our minds what's happening. Jesus is getting closer and closer to messy people. He just said at the end of chapter 14 that he was calling people to this this costly kind of discipleship. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you'll notice at the beginning of chapter 15, there are many people who are drawing around to hear him, but they're not who you would expect. They're not the religious insiders. They're not the Pharisees. Who are they? They are messy sinners. Jesus sits down and he welcomes, he shares a meal with tax collectors who want to hear him. Now, remember who the tax collectors were. These guys were hated in their society for their dishonesty. These guys colluded with the Roman government that was oppressing the Jewish people. They made a living off of ripping off their fellow countrymen by overcharging their taxes. Who would they be today? the corrupt politicians, the the mob bosses, the the abortion doctors. These are white-collar 
criminals. But that's not all because Jesus also invites sinners into his circle too. Now, who are these? These were the blue-collar criminals, the blue-collar sinners, outcasts, the prostitutes, the thieves, the drunkards. And here Jesus is saying, sit down at the table with me. You are welcome. Hear what I have to say. Jesus brings sick sinners into his life. Jesus smells like sinners because he spends time with them. Jesus binds himself in close community with the lost causes of society. And the Pharisees see all this and it offends them because they just don't get it. What do they do? They stand at, the dis- at a distance, grumbling, murmuring, complaining. This man, they say, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, if there's one thing we've learned so far about the Pharisees, it's that they have this pride deep in their hearts that blinds them to God's mission. It creates this huge chasm between them and the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what we're seeing play out in this text. We just need to to get this in our heads. That the Pharisees are so focused on themselves. They're so wrapped up in their self-righteousness and their rules that they don't have room for a savior who receives sinners into his presence. First of all, because they've forgotten that they're sinners. And second of all, because they see these guys as so sick and so disgusting that they can't bring themselves to welcome them into their presence. And we need to ask ourselves before we dive into these parables, as we hear this complaint, we need to ask ourselves, do we really get what Jesus is doing? Do we get it? If we really understood what Jesus is all about, what his mission means, would we still you know, raise our hands and sign ourselves up to follow him? Or would we start grumbling like the Pharisees? Are we really ready to receive sinners into our lives the way that Jesus is calling us to? Or would we rather stand at a distance? Well, everything that Jesus says in the rest of this chapter is really a response to that, to that posture of the heart. And so we hear Jesus say, let me tell you a story. In fact, let me tell you three stories, but we're really gonna call them one. There's one overarching parable because it all involves these lost and found things, right? There's a pattern throughout um, throughout each of these parables that holds true. But for our purposes, we're going to look at the first two today. And what do we see as we lean into these parables? Well, first, we see a loss. We see that each of these parables starts with something that is lost. Something that ends up in the lost and found box. And the first parable what are we, what's lost in the first parable? A sheep. Yeah, a lost sheep. A shepherd has 100 sheep and one wanders into the wilderness on its own. Now that's not surprising at all if you've spent any time with sheep. Um, not that I've spent an awful long time with sheep, but 
I've spent enough time to know that they are not the brightest of animals. What do sheep do? They wander off, you know, they're munching the grass and they just keep walking and keep walking and then they're gone. Where'd they go? And then, you know, they, they get lost so very easily and then they fall over and they can't even get back up again. They just lay there and they, they uh, what do they do? Bah, bah, all night so that every predator in the, um, in the vicinity can hear them. It's crazy. The lost sheep. But in the second parable, something else is lost, a lost coin. A lost coin ends up in the lost and found box of Luke. A woman has 10 drachmas. Now, a drachma, that's about what someone would make work in a full day, you know, a day's salary. And you know how it goes with coins. She's holding it, but, or maybe she has it in her pocket, but it slips out somehow and it just goes rolling, you know, maybe under the refrigerator, you know, or, or into that compartment, you know, right under the seat of your car where everything that lost seems to end up. So there it goes. You're skidding across the room into some crevice in her living room. Now, as we hear about these lost things, right away, we realize, don't we, that Jesus isn't just talking about sheep and coins. He's telling these stories, but they're pointing us to something deeper. He's talking about lost people, lost sinners. We've already heard an awful lot about sheep today. Maybe you're saying, where, where did I hear about sheep? Well, the call of worship, the call to worship, the, um, the, the confession or the, par, the, the declaration of pardon you heard from the scriptures, the first scripture reading, all about sheep. And I could find you countless other passages that talk about God's people, Israel, as a flock of sheep. So as soon as these Pharisees were, were able to hear these words from Jesus, they would say, they're talking about people. They're talking about Israelites. What about the coin? The coin is something valuable, something that even bears an image on it. Both of these pictures, these lost things, pointing to people. Lost people. But it's worse than that for us because sinners haven't just gone missing. They they haven't just, you know, fallen into some spot in the living room where no one notices. Sinners like us have actively run away from God's presence. That's how they've ended up stranded in that lost and found box of history. Listen to Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Listen to Romans chapter 3. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. Francis Thompson, in the 1800s, he wrote this famous poem called The Hound of Heaven. And listen to what he says as he he wrestled over the way that he was lost from God. Lost because he fled from God's presence. He says this, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my mind. And in the midst of tears, 
I hid from him. Friends, are are you lost? Are you that foolish sheep, scared and alone? Are you that silly coin that slipped out of the pocket and rolled under the fridge? Are you that sinner who won't come to God, cannot come to God, but who instead hides from him? Do you know people like that? Do you know lost people like that? If you do, if you are, then then keep listening. Because next we see in these parables a search. This epic search and rescue party, which Jesus immediately jumps into. Now he he puts these Pharisees on the spot. He says, hey, imagine that you are that shepherd. That shepherd with with a hundred sheep and you notice one is missing. What do you do? Do you calculate the loss and let the sheep go? Say, eh, you know, 99 to one, that's a pretty decent ratio. This isn't some huge cost for me. Hey, they can go. No, no, the shepherd doesn't even ask that question. The shepherd searches the sheep. He searches out that sheep, of course, trudging through the wilderness to find that one that was lost. What about the woman who loses one of her 10 coins? Now, this is almost you know, even more uh, believable that if you've lost a day's wages, of course, you're going to go looking for it. You're going to get down on your hands and knees, reaching through the straw that's on you know, the, the, the ground of these old-fashioned homes. You're going to take a light and shine it around the room with this persistent, urgent, dedicated search. Of course, You're going to look for the thing that is lost and you're not going to get so caught up on it that you focus on what in comparison you already have. The only thing that matters, a sheep is lost. It needs found. A coin is lost. It needs returned. And so Jesus gives us these pictures of dedicated search and rescue expeditions by the shepherd and the woman. And here's the irony of all this. This is exactly what the Pharisees have failed to do. This is what the religious leaders have just completely missed. Did you catch that when we read our first scripture reading? These leaders are the shepherds of Israel. And yet, You go back and take a look at Ezekiel 34. What have they done? They have not even bothered to search out one lost sheep and they've got hundreds of them straying all over the countryside and they can't even bring themselves to seek one of them. The Pharisees are the shepherds that have failed. They are also the coin keepers of Israel who have failed to to see the value of the coins that have fallen out of their pocket. This is the reality of the Pharisees and Jesus speaks to these religious leaders. He says, you have failed to search for lost things. But Jesus hasn't. Jesus searches for the lost. That's what his entire ministry is about. 
That's why he receives tax collectors and sinners. That's why he eats and drinks with the dregs of society. That's why he welcomes the unwelcome. Listen to Luke, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. This is like a, a thesis statement for, for the gospel of Luke. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. I'll read that again. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. Friends, Jesus searches for the lost sheep. He does what the leaders of Israel failed to do over and over and over again. He leaves the 99 who in their self-righteousness think that they are good to go. And what does he do instead? He goes after the one that's missing. He goes after the one that's, that's bleeding and scared in the darkness and he tracks them down until he finds them and he takes that lost sheep and he, and he carries them home on his own shoulders at his own burden, at his own expense. Jesus is the fulfillment of, again, back to Ezekiel 34, verse 11. What does God say? Because this is exactly what Jesus fulfills in his ministry. I myself will search for my sheep and look for them. I myself will search for the lost and bring back the strays. This is what Jesus is doing. The leaders of Israel wouldn't do it. So here he comes, God in the flesh, into history to save those who by his grace will see their need to be saved, to see their need to be found. Jesus is that Shepherd who searches the sheep. And don't miss this. He is also that one who sweeps the house looking for the valuable coin that's lost. He is the seeking savior. He is, as it were, the hound of heaven, relentless in his pursuit of sinners. Isn't that an amazing image? He won't stop. He won't give up. Jesus goes to the dark places that no one will go. Jesus goes to the lost and found box. And all of this, why does he do all this? He does it because lost lives matter to him. Lost lives matter to Jesus. That's written all over this passage. Is that starting to sink in? They matter so much to him that look at the celebrations that break out in our parables as pictures of Jesus and his redemption. Incredible celebrations. What happens when that sheep is safe again? What happens when the woman holds that coin up in her hands again? What happens when lost things are retrieved from the lost and found box of Luke chapter 15? Parties break out. Big parties involving neighbors and friends. And you say, well, you know, that's kind of silly because the woman spent hours finding a coin that then she turns around and spends more money, right, throwing a party. Exactly. That's the point of of Luke chapter 15. Jesus is, uh, lost lives matter so much to Jesus that when they're retrieved, the celebration is almost foolishly lavish. It's saying something about the value of 
lost people to Jesus. Over and over again in this, in these two passages. And then you're going to see coming up in the, in the parable of the prodigal son next week that over 12 times in this passage we hear language about rejoicing, language about parties, language about celebrating. We see in verse 9, That when that woman finds her lost coin, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. And Jesus brings, ties this all together in verse 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. You see, here's the life-changing message that you just can't miss in Luke's gospel. We've been saying it over and over and over again, but finally, it's just brought together in this really clean and clear way. It's this, that God delights in finding lost people. Heaven explodes with joy when even one lost sinner turns from his ways and turns to God. Have you ever been so excited, so joyful about something that you almost erupt in laughter and excitement when you hear it. Maybe it was when you found out, you heard news that that you're a parent. You You heard news that you're a grandparent. Just excitement that rushes over you. You ever had that kind of excitement about something? Well, Luke says that's a picture of your God's posture towards your salvation, towards your retrieval. Listen to Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. That's the picture of Luke chapter 15 and the celebration that erupts. What we see here is a window into the very heart of God, a God who delights in searching out lost sinners. Now, what does this mean for us? Three simple takeaways. First, embrace this seeking Savior. Embrace this seeking Savior. What does it look like when this news sinks in? That this Savior, this seeking Savior, this hound of heaven will not stop until he has you on his shoulders and in his arms. That's, that's good news. That's really good news. And you'll remember that Jesus did far more than the shepherd did, far more than the woman did. He led the greatest search and rescue mission of all time. He led a persistent and relentless and tiring search that led all the way to the cross of Calvary where he bore that upon his shoulders. Did that to retrieve sinners like you if you will believe in him. And he's still that seeking savior today. By his Holy Spirit who he sends to hearts that resist him, he does not stop pressing sinners until his chosen ones believe, until hearts melt and say, yes, Lord, 
I am found by you. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like a sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Friends, embrace this seeking savior. If you, not, if you have not embraced him yet, do so this morning. But if you know of the savior, if you have embraced him, if you believe in him, Embrace him yet again. Let this passage deepen your devotion and love to him, knowing that he seeks you even still, even as you run from him in sin. And second, we need to see that this passage calls you to join in the celebration. What is it that keeps us from rejoicing like God rejoices when a sinner comes to believe in him. When we hear of someone that we'd never expect in a million years coming to Jesus and we hear it and it just doesn't excite us, why is that? Well, first, it might be something of the attitude of the Pharisees that set in. A self-righteousness, a self-centeredness that just can't overlook the pride that we have in ourselves. But it might be something else too. It might be that it just hasn't sunken in to our hearts the depth that Jesus went to to seek and to save us. Because when we really get that, when that starts to click, then we celebrate when we see Jesus doing it over and over and over again with our friends, with our families, with to our enemies. And so we need to embrace the Savior. We need to join in this celebration that is happening even today as sinners come to repent and believe. And finally, you probably know where I'm going with this because this is the heartbeat of the Gospel of Luke. You've got to join in the search. You've got to share in his search and rescue party. Friends, we can't just wait around for people to passively observe what we're doing here. We can't just hope, you know, maybe they'll see the signs. You know, that, maybe they'll come up and, and, and ask what we're, what we're doing up here. Now, there's a good chance they might. And we could, we could see a church build that way, built that way. But we can't count on it. In fact, don't count on that at all. We have to actively pursue sinners that are fleeing God. We have to go to the lost and found box of Dayton, Ohio. We have to become captivated with the heart of God for the lost in this text so that we welcome our friends to worship. We say, hey, would you talk to me about Jesus? Would would you come and worship with me one Sunday? We've got to see our seeking savior so clearly so that we move towards the immigrants of Dayton and talk about the only hope for salvation, which is in Jesus Christ. Friends, our Savior is a seeking Savior, one who has found the lost and is doing so even now. But he is a Savior who calls us to join him in that who, who actually finds that, the, the lost 
through us. What a privilege. So let's join in prayer as we ask that he would use us to that end. Heavenly Father, we, we are humbled as we hear about a Savior who seeks sinners like us. Lord, we thank you that we have been found by him and that even today he continues to seek us, that we are not lost causes to him. And that by his grace, we are being tasked with joining the search party that is happening in Dayton, Ohio, and and over this entire globe. So we pray that you would give us, through this passage, a heart for your mission. We ask that you would do this in the name of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. We turn now to the Lord's Supper.